Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary and Bob. This week we're talking how to finance your property development in 2023, a very hot topic we are aware. The banks are doing what they're doing, there's a lot going on out there in the finance world. We're going to unpack it for you, give you some ideas, maybe tighten up your knowledge a wee bit and you're going to find this in, this very interesting today. So let's jump on in to episode 89. Welcome to episode 89, as I said, how to financial property development in 2023. But before I get started, apologies for not putting out last week's episode. Last week we covered off, what was that? The three must-haves of your property development coach. And Quality Control listened to it and said, oh, I don't think we can put this out. Hey, Bob. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, 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 we're so passionate about what we do Yes. in our training that we, we probably got a little bit emotional maybe a little bit hard we probably were i think <laughs> i think what you, you've got to realize is some people are coaches and mentors that shouldn't be and we had some some information come in and it was just frightening and we thought we've got to tell people but it sounded terrible yeah yeah no. we sounded like we were whinging not Sound- whinging yeah yeah What's the word? well yeah yeah, whatever it was. Whatever it was. So we thought, no, <laughs> we'll do it again with not quite the same, let's say, passion. Passion. <laughs> Maybe not the same passion that we had the other time. Yeah, yeah, we can't help it. No, we can't help it. Anyway, so 89 got dumped at the last minute. There was no podcast last week, but we're out again this week. And this week, what about it? How to fi- yeah. financial property development in 2023. And remember, this is coming out in um, in. March. March. No, February. The last day of February, if it's well, Thursday yeah. or, or 1st of March. No, it'll be the beginning No, of it'll be, yeah, the, end of the first week of March. That, that 28, <clears throat> 28 day month in February throws me out sometimes. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you because know, I'm often thinking, you know, a month's like four weeks plus two or three days, but February, of course, not. Well, there you go. Yeah, so it'll be March. Happy, it'll be March. Happy March, everybody. <clears throat> yes, happy March. Okay, so Bob, where do you want to, where do you want to kick off with this? We didn't even write notes down because it's such a, a massive and easy topic for us to make sure we tick off. Usually we think, well, we really need to cover this, this and this, but finance well, is what we it's something do we a do lot in of. our sleep. And it's, yeah. it, we, I mean, we're involved in discussions around finance every day of the week. Yeah. So on a, most of the days. <laughs> it's either projects we're doing or projects that we're helping our mentoring students with. Yeah. And finance is pretty critical. And the topic is... You know, how to finance your property development in 2023. Why 2023? Well, yes. because it's not always the same. Basically, it remains the same as it did. The fundamentals all those years are ago. the same. Yep. Yes. Yeah. But things vary. I mean, it's not just interest rates that vary, it's, it, there's other variables in, in the finance market space that, uh, that vary, and hence we've chose, chosen 2023. Yeah. yeah, so it's quite relevant for those listening right now. And it, mm. it could be relevant for a while, we just don't know. Yeah. So most people are familiar with how to finance a single acquisition, let's say your, your own house that you're going to live in or an investment property. That's pretty standard retail finance. You know, we know how that works. We know the sort of loan-to-value ratios that banks lend on. Uh, and, and most of them are banks or, you know, building societies that finance that sort of thing. And we know about... Uh, you know, the, how it works. We'll, we'll assume that anybody listening to this podcast understands 
basic retail finance for a single acquisition, but property development, a bit more complex. Can and, be. And not all, not all financial institutions are the same and they don't treat it the same. And uh, hence, there, yeah, a lot of variables when it comes to doing a property development. So we, can, we could wind it out, I guess, and, and say, okay, well, what's the, what's the process at the moment yeah, for well, doing small projects? So let's assume somebody is is it's a, it's a splitter, okay. a duplex, a little yeah, something small, so yeah. entry level property development, which is a, what we mostly deal with a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do. So the simplest project, or if you like, the the bottom line project that you'll ever do would be a one lot into two lot subdivision. It could be a subdivision, it could be a splitter. I mean, either, either way, they, they're different, uh, but you end up with. You know, two lots, two titles at the end of the day. So mm. it starts there. And if you're talking about construction, well, the bottom end of, of that would be doing a two-lot subdivision and perhaps building a house on the lots or doing a duplex. So that's where it starts. And, of course, we go up from there. But something a lot of people don't realise is that the banks... Let, let's just start with the banks. In fact, let's take one step back. Let, let's just say who out there or what institutions out there do lend on property development as opposed to just a single acquisition for a house on investment. Mm. We have the banks. And, of course, we know the big four banks. We know who they are. But there's the other second-tier banks, you know, Bank of Bendigo, Suncorp, those sorts of banks. And It's funny. I always think of Suncorp as one of the big four because it's such a, a big name. But you're right. It's yeah, not. Yeah, it's outside. Definitely. It, yes. it drops off a fair bit once you get away from the big four. Mm. Uh, but there's still banks. They operate under a banking charter. So the, so the second tier banks operate under the same charter the as the big four. Yeah, they do. They're mm-hmm. just a lot smaller. Yep. Uh, and, and their master is uh, APRA, Australian Prudential Regulation uh, Da, da, da. What is it? I forgot the A. a association. Accountability. They're under APRA, right? Uh, and, and that's fine. They're banks. Mm. And then when, in property development, when you move outside of the banks, you're moving into a, an area that we often call non-banks. So they're not banks. They don't operate under the banking charter. Uh, they're not. Their master isn't APRA. They operate under what is really the... Corporations Act, I suppose you could say, and their their master is ASIC. So different again. And then there's a third type of lender, which is what we call private equity. So I'm trying to keep it fairly simple. Mm. Private equity, there is a difference between a non-bank and private equity, and and private equity would typically be wealthy individuals, uh, wealthy families, if you like, who directly uh, finance projects. We and come across quite a few of them too, don't we? Yeah, well, yeah, they don't do. operate under the banking charter, of course. No. They're not. Who are they regulated They're not by? under APRA. They're not a non-bank as such, uh, because they don't operate under ASIC. Mm. They don't operate under anyone. Who's their boss? Well, there is no boss. Really? <laughs> and that's and that's the. You world, want to be that guy? That's the world <laughs> of private equity. Okay, so keeping it simple, there's there's three avenues of finance, mm. um, and so when we go looking for finance for a development, we need to keep in mind. My, my, my little motto is get the cheapest finance you can get your hands on. And I can, but, uh, you say that on a very regular basis. I yeah. would hear you say that 
It's a general weekly. comment because mm. it might be that you can't get bank finance. Okay, if you can't get bank finance, we'll t- talk about that a bit more in a moment, well, you go to the next level, which mm. might be non-bank or even private equity, depending on the size of your project. So but uh, so let's just bear that in mind. There's three avenues of, of finance. And then back to the beginning where we left it, when we're talking about doing a small project, albeit, you know, a little subdivision, duplex, whatever it is, Mm. there's often two stages, particularly if we're going to build. Let's let's keep it simple and say we're going to do a duplex. It's about the, you know, the smallest sort of building that you're going to build. And at the end of the day, a duplex is just like a big house with a wall up the middle, you know, that's really what it is. But you'll end up with two lots. And so that's what we're talking about. Now... When you go to the banks, the normal banks, you know, the big four plus the second tier banks, and I'll be general here, banks make their money by lending at a low interest rate for a long period. Now, we know that. You know, you go and get a home loan, you could get a 20, 25-year, even a 30-year loan. Yeah, they love to string it out because they get more money. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's fair enough. And quite often, uh, uh, as a borrower, that might suit us. Yes. Less with, repayments, with the repayments, yeah. Yes. Uh, so low interest rate, long period of time. Where they don't make money is lending at a low interest rate for a short period of time. I.e. development. Because, e.g. developments. Because the, it still costs them the same amount of money to establish a loan uh, in, in terms of, you know, their, their, own, their own cost, if you like, internal cost mm. uh, to set up a loan and to operate it. Um, whether it's a 30-year loan or a, or a one-year loan, it's about the same. Now, you can absorb that over a 30-year loan, but can you absorb that over a one-year loan at, at really low, low interest rates? Mm. And the answer is, well, they don't make much money out of it. By the time they uh, you know, lend for a short period of time at a low interest rate and absorb all their upfront costs, there's not much in it, which is why banks really don't like lending on Developments. Developments. I'm talking about retail, the retail arm of a bank, the one we're most used to seeing, the one with the branches, the one where we go to for an investment property or a home loan. What they often do if they think that you're going to do a development is they say, no, we won't finance that. You need to talk to our commercial division. And so within each of the banks, there is a commercial division and they're a little bit different in that they lend at a higher interest rate for a short period, so they're okay with the short period. What's the average? Not the low interest rate. Uh, r- difference between between residential a- uh, and commercial bank. In terms of costing and everything. Uh, no, maybe just on interest rate. Like, is it oh, usually well, a four percent difference? Oh, look, the differential could. It, it's not necessarily a big one. Uh, to, with a bank, it, mm. it could be like. Two and a two and two two and a, probably two and a half percent. Oh, yeah, that's not so bad, is it? Uh, but they will charge higher application fees. What sort of application fees are we looking at? Well, half a percent of the loan. I have seen some banks try and squeeze out up to one, one percent. Whereas on a retail loan, it, it can be anything from nothing to sort of six hundred. So application fees higher on the commercial, interest rates higher, and and so they have to really, in fairness to the banks, yeah. they have to make more money because it's only out for a short period that loan might only be out for one to two years Mm. so so that's what happens there but what often happens is that when we're doing a development we end up going through say two loans 
not at the same time, one loan at a time. And so let's just explain that. Quite often, when we buy a development site, in most cases, we're developing infill. And what we mean by that is there's already an established area and it's probably zoned right for you know, doing a duplex or townhouses. There's already probably an old house on the site. That's typical of what we do. It's pretty standard. Most of our students are doing that. They're not out on the you know, out on the edges of the suburbs where there's larger acreage lots and doing bigger subdivisions. Mm. That's different. So most of it's infill, and most of the infill is already an existing house. So we're either going to keep the existing house and, let's say, uh, get into the backyard and put up another house or a duplex or whatever in the backyard, or we're going to demolish the house and build new. So we're going to generally, in most cases, that's what we're going to do, buy the old house. Now, when we buy a house, more often than not, it's a raw block. Raw meaning it doesn't have a development approval. We're just buying the old house, and our intention is buy the old house, get our approvals, our development approval, our building approval, uh, and then construct whatever we're going to construct, and then sell it and make a profit. And just a wee tip there, Bob did say more often than not. It's it's sometimes you know we people are we are buying stuff that does have approvals, has a DA mm. or had, but more often than not, mm. you'll be buying a raw site. Yeah, so a few variables. Mm. Uh, if, assuming we're buying the old house, it might stay. We might demolish it. Uh, you know that that that's a possibility. It might have a development permit, or it might not. And then some other variables. I can tell you, if it already has a development permit, you've got no chance of <laughs> buying it with a retail loan from a retail bank. They'll because they know it's a development. They will <laughs> send you straight to their commercial division. That's okay. But sometimes when you're buying a raw site with no development permit, as far as the financier is concerned, they just look at it as an investment property. Mm. Probably not a bad idea to do, do this through a broker who has experience with development. Not your normal average retail finance broker that just gets you a, a loan for your house or an investment property and hasn't done any development stuff is not who you should go to because often they'll say the wrong thing and stuff up your application. And they might be lovely and they might be a friend of yours but it could cost you a lot of money so well, I've just seen, do it I've this seen way. plenty of deals don't go down oh, the Google with one. the wrong broker. Yeah, well, it was about two yeah. years ago. It was, so, oh, it was so easy. Yeah. And so in, particular. In, in a way... What, what you've sort of got to do is not fly the flag that you're buying this property to develop. Because as soon as you say that, you're out the door. Um, quite often I've seen people just purchase it as an investment property because that's the way the bank's going to look at it. Mm. And uh, a little bit later, when they've got their approval, then they're like, you know, oh, a different let's story. do a development. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so typically some form of retail loan to, to buy the site. And then after we've got our approvals and we need to... Uh, to do the construction, then we might switch across to a commercial loan. And is it more likely, Bob, that that commercial loan will be with the same bank, or the, because no, because you've already doesn't have to be, could no. be. Is it what, what is it fifty percent chance? Like, what's the likelihood of well, that happening? The, the likelihood part comes back to: Do you qualify for a commercial loan from a bank once you get to that construction phase? Do you? And if you do, then you may well stay with that bank. Um, the bank might not be totally happy with you, however, because when you bought it, you didn't tell them you were going to do a development. You were digging in for that 30 years of you interest told, they were looking you for. You just told them <laughs> you were going to buy it as an investment property. But so Bob, you just use the words you might qualify, and so you're talking about you earn enough, the, the serviceability, the the value in the property. Is that Not those? as a commercial loan. So no. I, 
I'm trying to, if, if we keep it on track, yeah. so quite often there's one loan, the first loan that you take out mm. is to buy the property, then you get your approvals and that's when you might then uh, switch to a commercial loan to do the yep. construction because, and you might have to tip in some extra money at that point. So quite often that second loan is a commercial loan but be clear you will only ever have one loan on a property at a time because their commercial loan wipes out the residential yeah yeah so if you have let's say a retail loan you buy it you get your approvals now you're coming up to construction uh, you can't get a construction loan on retail let's say and then you have to go to commercial that commercial loan as hillary just said the first thing that will happen is they will pay out whatever's owing on that retail loan because they want a registered first mortgage over the site and you can't have two banks, two different finances with a registered mortgage. Even if you use the same bank, the mortgage can stay on because it's still the same bank, uh, but it'll be out of retail and into commercial, but it's probably not the way you normally do it because mm. the retail bank would be a bit annoyed uh, because you know it wasn't the story when you came in. So, so that first loan to acquire it, um, you know, you get the best sort of retail loan you can. Uh, it could be, it might be from a bank and maybe, you know, you have to tell a bit of a story or whatever your broker tells you you have to say, that's okay. Uh, but even these days, if you don't have serviceability, and remember if it's a retail loan, you have to have a deposit and you have to have serviceability. But there's still no dock loans around. Now, they're not, they're not cheap. You know, the application fees are higher, could be, you know, one and a half, two percent of the loan. Interest rates are higher, could be anything from, you know, probably eight, nine, eight, nine and a half at the moment. Remembering these things change all the time. So these sort of interest rates I'm talking about are only current. Uh, March, March 23. 23. Yeah. <laughs> um, You'll listen to this in three yeah. years. So there is finance out there. Even, even, even no doc is still around, you know. And then that might get you through until you got your approvals. And then you can uh, go to a commercial loan. So, and with commercial loans, it doesn't matter so much about, or it doesn't even matter about serviceability because that interest is is inside the loan. Yeah, it's capitalised mm. into the loan. So, with a commercial loan, the big difference between a retail loan is serviceability is not really the issue, and you ha- you don't have to find the interest every month. They actually lend you the interest, which is pretty cool. So, part of the b- loan, part of the borrowings from the bank, is an interest component built into it. And so, each month when the interest is due. The bank simply takes their monthly interest out of that allocation. Out of the money they loaned you? Out of the money they loaned How you. How good is commercial finance? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Who started that system, Bob? What a great Well, if business. they didn't do it that way, uh, most, unless you're extremely wealthy, yeah. you couldn't service. You, know, you get up to do a six, seven townhouse development. You can imagine if you could only do that with serviceability. There'd be lot, not many people could could afford it, and therefore there'd be a lot less developers and a lot less stock built, and, mm. and there wouldn't be enough, definitely not enough, coming onto the market and create se- severe drama. So one of the good things is that uh, even a small developer wants to get commercial finance, once it's built in there, of course, there's capitalised interest, um, it's good. Cause yeah. even if you couldn't it's a game it, everybody can play. Yeah. So that commercial finance that, if you like, now takes over from the retail loan, at around the construction phase, when you're ready to start building, when you've got your approvals and sorted your builder out, it could be bank finance if, if, if you're solid enough. Remember, banks being banks are conservative and so they want to know... Got to tick a few more boxes. Got to tick a lot of boxes. And, 
and banks generally have tightened up on development finance during the last few years. Mm. So it's harder now to get uh, development finance, if you like, or commercial finance from a bank than it was in years gone past. Mm. And so, but the good news is there's always the alternatives. And you've mentioned no doc a few times, Bob. Do you, are, you, are we going to unpack that shortly, or you just well, no doc is really the first loan, yeah. the acquisition loan. And we just that not everyone understands what no doc. Well, is. no doc means that you don't have to supply any paperwork to prove your serviceability. So, with a no doc loan, you, know, you don't need pay slips. You don't have to show your tax returns. You don't have to show anything that proves you can afford the loan. Really. Now, responsible lending says that there needs to be an exit strategy. From the funder's point of view on a no-doc loan, they want to know, well, look, if we give you a no-doc loan and we're responsible lenders, how are you going to pay us back? Because we're not checking on your serviceability. The answer to that is that when you get your approvals, you're going to switch across to a commercial loan and pay them out. And so that, in reality, is what you're going to do. So that's how you then pay out the no-doc loan. From the lender's point of view, they can say, OK, that's a fair and reasonable exit strategy, you know, in, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 months' time, whenever it comes. Uh, and, and therefore, they are lending responsibly, which mm-hmm. they have to do, mm-hmm. uh, by, by having that exit strategy in line. And the exit strategy is when you get your approvals, you're going to go somewhere else, get a commercial loan and pay them out. So... That commercial loan will say that you're now going to take on after you've got all your approvals, pays out anything previous, and you go ahead. Now, that could be a bank a bank commercial, which is obviously the cheapest type of commercial loan, lower interest rate, lower application fees. But a lot of people really don't qualify these days because they're so tight and so stiff from the mm, banks. Because too many too many loops. They've got it. It's very with banks is they've got to tick their boxes that they don't it's black or white there's not mm. a lot of grey there's a few, <laughs> no, a few no people grey. that could get away with grey but mostly not eh? no so no. you've got to find you, a, if you've got a good history with with a bank on the commercial lending front that would tick a lot of boxes if but not necessarily all hey not necessarily <laughs> if you're really strong financially or you know stronger than you need to be that can tick tick them mm. but look a lot of people might not qualify currently for commercial bank finance, so you then you're in the world of the non-banks. Back in oh geez, many years ago, I, I, look, let's go right back. Pre-GFC, in the commercial lending area, commercial finance for developments, banks used to do about eighty percent of all lending. Really? Mm. So At, what is it now? What's the? It's current? about the other way around. It's about twenty percent bank and eighty percent non-bank or private equity. Yeah, so. We put the year 2023 on the name of this podcast for a very good reason, (laughs) that it doesn't always stay the same. In case that lady's listening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So things change all the time. We know that. You know, the way uh, who's lending this week is not lending next week. Interest rates change, construction costs change. Everything changes. The whole market, you know, is always liquid and on the move, which makes life exciting. So back to that commercial finance for the construction phase. Uh, Quite possibly we've got to tip a little bit of extra money in at this point. We would have... Uh, put a deposit down, if you like, when we bought the site in the first place. That's equity. We would have spent more money on getting our approvals, and that's more equity. But more than likely, uh, we're still a bit short now because we need some extra money now to to build everything and to pay out the first loan. And so we might have to tip some extra money. Can in I here. ask that question, Bob? Hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to go down this road yet. Uh, you've pulled me back already a couple of times. I'm racing through. So. W- 
to, this is to get the non-bank commercial finance requiring extra equity. How, I know how, you, <laughs> how do they go about getting it? How does this n- new developer go about getting that finance before they can get their construction yeah. finance? Yeah, now, and look, the borrower may well have it. So before you start doing any project, you'll do a feasibility and then understanding the LVRs that financiers lend on and understanding all your figures, uh, you can tell right at the very beginning when you do your feasibility how much equity you're going to have to put into that project to complete it, the total equity requirement for a project. It's not hard to work out if you've got an accurate feasibility. Now, when you purchase the site, you don't have to put all of that equity in. You put enough in, you know, to comfortably purchase it. But it's when you get to the point where you're ready to start building and you've got all your approvals that you have to top it up with some more. And you would have already known from day one what that extra money is. Uh, And so if you've got it, you've got it. But if you don't, then as you well know, (laughs) you have to get it from somewhere else and that would be an investor. And that's back to your world because you run all the investment side of our property development business and also our education business for that matter. So you're dealing with investors every day. And that would be what we would call a loan partner, not an equity partner, not a joint venture partner at that point. Because you're well advanced in the project, you're ready to start construction. So ideally you don't need them as a joint venture partner because you've done the work. Because a joint venture partner... Shares in the profit. Yeah, would generally be rewarded by profit share. Well, you've done all the hard yards. You don't want to be sharing the profit. You just need what we call a loan partner, which is somebody who will lend you that extra bit of money that you need for maybe 12 months or remember you've got to now build it and sell it. Uh, could be, you know, however long it takes to build it and, and a couple of months to sell it. Just pay them an interest rate. Mm. So it might be that they're getting an interest rate which, you know, currently could be, you know, 15 17% interest for that 12-month period. Um, and they may be able to secure their position with a second mortgage or whatever it is. So... That's how you would get the extra money then if you didn't have it. And you would have known from day one that you're not going to have it. So you've had plenty of time to start talking to investors about kicking in. You actually just brought up another point there, Bob, where you said uh, the the security would be they might be able to secure a second mortgage because remembering that the bank already has the first mortgage over that. So this person coming in. Or the finance. Yeah, yeah, the finance, whoever that is. (laughs) Yeah has that first mortgage so that the, the person coming in has to be okay with a second mortgage and that's fine we do it every day we do it mm. every day mm. yeah 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 and that's keeping it simple i mean i could do a, a, a whole, whole, day, a whole, day, a whole day, on, day on this one i could do a whole day on mortgages if you want to uh, no no okay good um so that's that's obviously the answer to the question which you already knew the answer of but thanks for reminding me for our listeners and our viewers so yeah so we're into that that second loan now that's our we can call it our development loan, our construction loan, our commercial loan. Uh, if it's a non-bank, so we've talked about the banks being a bit tough. Mm-hmm. If you can't do it, there we go to a non-bank. Once again, we're paying higher costs. So we're probably paying up, uh, application fees in the range of 15 to 2%, plus GST, of course. So let's take that back to our uh, duplex scenario we hmm. were using. What would that likely be? On average, what is that... What would that fee generally be for Well, that? 1.5% to 2% of oh, the loan gonna, amount yeah. if, if it's if it's non-bank commercial. Mm. Uh, interest rates, well, they're going to vary. I mean, at, at the right now, early March 23, the non-bank interest rates probably start around 9%. 
Uh, so that's the sort of application fees at the moment. That's the sort of interest rates, and they can go up from that. Mm. The other, the other thing is their their lending levels or their loan to value ratios. Mm. So in the non-bank arena, they typically lend as a percentage of the gross realisation. So gross realisation being the, if you like, the the value of your finished product. So if it was two duplex units and they're worth one and a half million each then obviously the gross realisation value is three million. Three million. They would, and you have to take the GST back off that because they lend you net of GST. And so they might lend 65%, some might even lend 70% of that figure. And so that's how much they'll lend you. Then you have to work out, well, what's it costing and what equity do I have? And then you can quickly work out what your extra bit is you have to tip in at that point. So, you know, as I said, you know, Application fees, 1.5% to 2% typically at the moment. That can vary. Interest rates, 9% up, and that can vary. Loan-to-value ratios, let's say 65%, up sometimes up to 70% of the GOV net of GST. Sometimes that's offset by percentage of total development costs. You know, it depends. Could that be offset by pre-sales or anything like that? Well, some... Now, banks love pre-sales mm. as a risk mitigation. Non-banks generally don't require pre-sales which it can be a good thing because you don't have to like put the brakes on and then go looking for pre-sales uh, certainly on smaller projects most of them don't require pre-sales mm. and depending on the experience of the developer the size of the project they may not even even with a six-pack they are you know could be a 10-pack with a more experienced developer they don't want pre-sales so, so that can be a good thing so that that varies again another thing about the non-banks uh, they're not as uh, what would it, the scrutiny isn't as hard on the on the borrower mm. than a bank, and so you can be, let's say, not as squeaky clean as you have to be at a bank, and <laughs> and that can help as well. We're talking about your credit rating here, not mm. that you're a bikey <laughs> gang member. <laughs> if you're if you're an undischarged bankrupt, that probably wouldn't be good. But you know, you could have a little bit of credit impairment. What what non banks tend to do is they're asset lenders. Mm. So they tend to let lend against the deal. I mean, certainly they look at the person and they don't want to be somebody who's owing money all over town and so forth. But, you know, assuming they scrub up reasonably well, not necessarily to the extent of bank, um, they're really looking at the deal itself. Mm. And they're lending more on the deal than they are on the, on the borrower, but not that they ignore the borrower. So it's easier in terms of that again. So in a lot of ways, it's easier. With a non-bank, uh, they often lend at a, lend more than a bank, although there is a cost penalty in terms of application fees and interest rates. You don't need pre-sales usually, which can mean you can just keep going straight ahead. You don't have to stop and get pre-sales. That can be a good thing. And they don't look at the borrowers hard. So there are advantages with non-banks, mm. and it's more than just the application fees and the interest rates if you look at the whole package as well. So... And there's, look, there's lots of moving parts. I could do a whole day on non-banks. Yeah. It, um, this is a great overall for people to understand mm. how you do yeah. finance a property development, at, well, in general all the time, but mm. at, at, in 2023. Then uh, there's who's private equity. What? Yes, and then it's private equity. So private equity is not a bank under APRA, not a non-bank under ASIC. It's individuals, wealthy people, wealthy families who lend money to a developer. And look... If you scaled private equity down to its lowest form, it could be just a simple investor. Mm. It could be that situation you talked about before where you've acquired a property, you've got your approvals, 
you reached a point now where you want to go for a commercial loan that's going to pay out the first loan and so forth, but you have to put some extra money in. You don't have it. Okay, we need to pull an investor in. And, and it could be, well, that investor technically is private. Well, it's not even equity. It's, 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 we'll call it private equity, but it's private debt as opposed to equity without getting, you know, too sharp on it. And, and in its smallest sense, that and it might be, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollar top up that that you need. That is private equity, but in a bigger sense, if we were using private equity for the construction, not at, just the or top even up. the whole lot, it can be. Mm. These are wealthier people, wealthier families, and look, they might come in right at the beginning. So, it could be that somebody will, in the private equity world, will finance a project from beginning to end. So they'll, they'll finance it when you acquire it, right through to all your approvals, and then continue to finance it all the way out the other end. The, they're often very similar sorts of rates to the non-bank, uh, but they can be uh, e- easier to do business with sometimes. They're very they wouldn't decisive. Have the, well, they wouldn't have the, um, the upfront application fees and stuff, well, they, really, would they? Well, they? they can. But, but they're not because they're not constrained by APRA or ASIC. They can make their own rules. They can make their own rules, and they do, but it can be more streamlined. Yeah. Uh, I, I've done a private equity loan in a day. I, I did 15 apartments once. I had all my paperwork together. I had everything together, you know, all my feasibilities and, and you know, my full everything about it even had a valuation in place i went to a private equity uh in was actually a broker i knew who dealt purely in private equity i went to him in the morning with my full package Mm. and he had an approval in the afternoon i think that's a really good tip there he had it all organized and that's yeah that's important and what he did he had a look at the deal he had a look at the size of it and where it was and then knowing he had a whole range of private, you know, wealthy individuals and wealthy families on his books. And he knew the sort... Some people like to lend in a certain area. Maybe they live there. Some people like to lend in a certain size. And, and some might... And what, what this particular individual who, who financed the whole project, uh, 15 townhouses, I think it was, mm. uh, they liked the location... It was a really good location. Uh, they they liked me. They looked at my CV and they liked me and, and, and they liked the whole deal. And generally these people are very decisive. They're quick to make decisions. Mm. They don't muck around. And, you know, by the afternoon they, they said, yep, we'll, we'll fund him. Mm. Deal done. And that's that can be in the, the world of private equity. And if you don't have that Bob Anderson boxes to tick... It's still, still the same. I, I'm, I'm thinking of... Um, I mean, those, Bobby. I'm thinking of somebody at the moment in our mentoring program mm. who's only done one project previously. To, it's just close to completion, and it's a type of joint venture. Mm. They've just been funded on not a big project, private equity, mm. where they're taking the whole project. And because the private equity in, individual knows the market so well, they're not even worried about that valuation. They've just gone straight into it. On fairly similar terms to what you get from a non-bank, but so much more streamlined. Mm, and he's doing such a good job. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so that's um, that's a quick sort of synopsis, I guess, on on funding. Mm. Could do a three-day workshop, couldn't we? 
And you could do the whole thing on investor funding because that's and I the just, world I keep wanting in. to say, you've just got to go and do that. And then you have to do – I, I can't help myself, but I'm holding back because we'll carry on talking for the rest of the day and people mm. probably need to carry on. They're at work by now or, <laughs> or they've arrived where they need to go if they're listening or watching. Yeah. So do you think we've covered it off there enough? Hopefully we've covered all the basics yeah. and, and, and how the different types of finance work. Yeah. And when you use one and not another, and and you know where we're sitting in 2023, that's mm. probably what we what we set out to do. We actually put out an email on Friday, asking if people wanted to basically be private equity partners mm. in in projects we might be doing ourselves, or even sometimes when we're holding the hands of a of a mentoring student going through a project, which is really like us in the background, yeah, steering the whole thing, of course. So we do have a few opportunities available right now for, and that's the thing with sometimes with the private equity, the number it's, it's larger numbers you're looking for. So you know around the four hundreds, four fifties, we're looking for at the moment. Yeah, pretty much. If if there's uh, an investor with four hundred thousand cash or more, mm. uh, sometimes if you've got an unencumbered property, uh, that can be that can be used as well. Uh, who wants to you know get involved on the in in in. And various ways of doing yeah, it. Yeah, actually, these are probably more. A lot of these are joint ventures we're looking for as well. Could be joint forms <laughs> yeah. of joint venture. Yeah, they are. Uh, where you can make good money as a joint venture with you know us sort of or the student with us behind them doing a you know controlling everything. Uh, having done one point three billion, got a good idea how it works. Yes, Bob, you do know what you're doing. So um, yeah, especially when it comes to finance. Anybody out there with a lazy four hundred? Yeah, doing sitting nothing. around all more. I want to get involved in something. I've got some great spots we could park and get you making. Let Hillary know. Let you make a lot of money. So it's such a win-win situation. Hmm. Uh, and th- for those listening, think of it like that as well. It is a win-win situation. You, uh, we are so lucky that we get. We help other people make money. Hmm. Like, how good is that? And then people with money make more money, and people without money make money. It's so good. Yep. So before we wind up, Bob, mm-hmm. giving away uh, Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed this week, going to Lisa Kean. Oh, Lisa, speaking. great. Yes, she jumped in the Q&A the other day. Anyway, Lisa, this book is in the post to you. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. And I think that's a bit of a wind-up for 89. We'll, we'll redo the coaching one sometime soon. How about that? Sounds good. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge there, Bob. You're a blooming legend when it comes to all things property development and even more so around finance. And creative strategies and everything. Yep. That's the stuff I love talking about. All right. It's everybody. the smart end of property development. It is for your smart man. Thanks, everybody. We'll uh, catch you next week. Bye. Bye now.